Hello, and welcome to the Relatable Homeschoolers Podcast. We are four homeschooling mamas with a combined 32 years of experience homeschooling our 12 kids, and our homeschools are anything but Pinterest perfect. Whether you are a veteran homeschooler, a new homeschooler, or just homeschool curious, we want to encourage you in your homeschooling journey and offer you practical tips and tools to make your homeschooling life easier. We're so glad you're here. Hi, and welcome to the Relatable Homeschoolers podcast. Today, we are talking about everyone's favorite subject, math, why people worry so much about it, why people change curriculums most often with their math curriculum, and how we can just incorporate math in our everyday lives. Why don't we start out? Why is math the subject everyone worries about the most? I think we're all afraid of getting it wrong and that our kids will have these huge gaps in their education because math, unlike some other subjects, really builds on itself. Like you've got to have some solid foundation to progress through the levels. And when you do have a gap, it is maybe a little more apparent than in some of the other subjects. Parents fall into one of two categories. Either you enjoyed math and were good at it, or you were not good at it and you hated it. And so when you approach teaching your child, you are coming from one of those two perspectives. So either you want your children to love it as much as you did, or I hope they don't dread it as much as I did. Mm -hmm. And so both of those expectations can color your students' experience with the topic of mathematics. Removing ourselves and our love or dread of the subject can really take a load off of our kids. And just taking that step back and observing them and their mathematical abilities, rather than trying to get them to a certain place, can really be helpful. Yeah, I think that's really good advice. Yeah, I agree, Annie. I come from the camp of I really enjoyed math. And math just always made sense to me. It was just the one subject that I knew and that I was good at. So when I have a child that's struggling with math, I'm like, what don't you get? <laughs> so that's what's hard for me. Yeah. Why do people switch math curriculums so much? I think, Harmony, you said before, math curriculums is the one that people switch the most. So why is that? I think there's probably some different reasons. I know in our family, we have used combinations of probably like four to five curriculums. And like right now with my middle, Josie, she's using a couple different curriculums because we are finishing up a book from last year and concurrently working with some new skills this year that I think she's ready for. So I think it, it can depend on the child. It also can depend on the parent too. We stopped using a curriculum called Matthew C just because I was really bored with it. <laughs> and I felt like my kids needed a little more variety in their math. Um, Matthew C is a great mastery program. They're really drilling down those uh, basic math facts a lot, especially in the early elementary years. But I realized that my kids weren't doing things like measurement and and some basic geometry and things like that, that I thought were important. And so I decided to switch a curriculum that gave us all a little more variety. We're now using math mammoth primarily with a little bit of um, some other stuff sprinkled in. It gives us a little more variety. So for example, you know, Max is doing second grade math. And so far right now, it's just a lot of review of his math facts up to 20. But then there's other things like time, you know, telling time on an analog or a digital clock and um, a little bit of money work mixed in too. That gives him a little bit of variety so that he's not just doing worksheets of rote math facts all the time. I think some parents worry if their kids hit a rough spot that the curriculum is not working and it's immediately the curriculum's not working. My kid's having 
a hard time with this or that concept. When for some kids, you just need more drill. It takes more time to sink in and maybe they're just not ready yet for that next level. So there have been times when, you know, we ha- I haven't ditched the curriculum. I've picked up some extra work for my daughter where there was an area where it wasn't quite clicking. And then just a couple more weeks of slow work a little bit at a time. And we kind of backed off on the amount we were doing in a day. So just like one or two problems so that it wasn't stressing her out. Because math is one of those things where if your child gets stressed, they're going to struggle more. So I've kind of figured out that less is more. And then we just take our time, slow down, do some extra problems, and then it isn't the curriculum. But I think people do react rather than pressing through it. I know I've said this before on this podcast, but never is it more appropriate than in this topic of mathematics is that we expect, educational professionals expect that linear learning is how learning happens, Mm. that it's just a line with a function of the subject matter over time. And we just learn at a constant rate. And we know that that's not how it happens, right? That sometimes the line looks like a hockey stick you know, where it's flat for a while, and then it shoots up, and then it's flat for a while, and plateau, and then it shoots forward. And so it's in that plateau period that we as parents can be, shall we say, nervous. Mm -hmm. And we start looking around like, oh my gosh, they're they're struggling, or they're not getting it, or they've been on this for a while, and we just got to relax. Because linear learning is not real learning. Real learning goes and fits and starts and speeds ahead and pauses And so my kids have not done a formal math curriculum until roughly age 10. We did just math facts and life math. They were cooking and baking. They were measuring stuff, you know, building a board fence we have to measure. And so we're learning all those things. And then we're doing math facts. I wanted my kids to be flashcard kids. Like I really wanted to have contests and speed events. My kids are not into flashcards. They don't like the pressure of them. (laughs) And so now they just prefer a worksheet where they can get it right rather than the pressure to get an answer fast. So we use a resource called Mad Minute that you're supposed to time them. You have a minute to get as many problems done as you want, but it's really just between 30 to 60, you know, as you progress through their worksheets, math problems addition problems or subtraction problems. So it gets that them consistent. We're going to do 30 of the same type of problem. It really kind of reinforces it. And then once they get their math facts down, all four operations up to the 12s, and then I move them into Saxon 5-4. So I do not do any of the early Saxon. I just do math facts and what I call life math. And then we go to Saxon 5-4. So two out of my three kids are there. I use Saxon as a self-teaching. So they read the lesson and they do their examples. And so I want them to be a strong enough reader so that I'm not reading the lesson to them. And so my third is just about there. And so then she'll move in to 5-4 as well. Piggybacking off of one thing that Annie said, that we know that learning isn't linear, but for some reason, we just can't get over the thinking that it is. Another thing that can really stress parents out is you learn X subject in Y grade, right? So in fourth grade, they've got to be doing division. Well, maybe your fourth grader isn't doing division. Maybe your fourth grader already learned division. Maybe your fourth grader still needs a lot of help with long subtraction problems that involve borrowing and things like that. We need to just get that out of our heads too, especially as homeschoolers, that you have to learn a certain 
type of math at a certain age, because that can look really different for each kid. Well, and reading is a skill set. And in much the same way, math is a skill set. So the humanities, geography, literature, all those other subjects are less of a building a skill base. And, you know, just as reading is phonics based. And so some kids do not come to a reading readiness until a certain age. Your kids might not have a math readiness until a certain age. And we make so many assumptions based on the school system that this should be happening in this grade, like you're saying, Lindsay. But it's also, I was talking to another homeschool mom. By the time her son was in 11th grade, he was only at a fifth grade level in math and she didn't realize it. She just knew that he was struggling. But when she backed him up, she kind of, she tested him and then she backed him up to where his test results were, which was fifth grade. And then once he got going on the fifth grade math, he put in six years worth of math in less than one school year because he was ready and he needed to go back and build the foundation that he didn't have yet. So if your kid is struggling, maybe they're just not ready yet and you just let them be where they are. And then when they get there, things are so much easier. It's just like when we try to teach kids to read too early. And if we would just wait, they'll learn to read in, you know, a couple of weeks. That's also good. Another thing I was just thinking of too is I think math is probably the biggest subject where it defers to your kids' individual styles and their way of learnings and having to figure out which curriculum works best for each kid. I had one kid, like you were saying, how they just do different things. I had one kid that I had to take a grade over again, but then I had another kid who at the end of the year, well, when we were starting the next year, I was just doing like the little pretest for that level and he got everything right. And I was like, okay, well, let's do the next grade's pretest. And he got everything right on that one. And I'm like, okay, let's just start here. And he skipped a grade. You know, each kid is different in their learning styles and their learning abilities. I think another thing that you touched on, Annie, was the real life math. I know there are several ways that we incorporate math into our daily lives without actually using a math curriculum. So how about you guys talk about some of those things about how real life math looks like in your homeschool? We have definitely used a lot of math with cooking and baking, especially fractions. And so fractions have been my eight-year-old's sweet spot because she early on had to figure out what is, you know, three quarters of a cup plus a half a cup and putting things together, especially if we're like doubling a recipe, looking at measuring cup sizes and how the parts make up a whole. And so she has just flown with the fractions piece, I think in large part because of all the baking we do. Mm -hmm. We play a ton of cards in our family. I attribute my youngest's ability to add and subtract in his head very quickly to the amount of cards we play. Some of our favorites are a family game that I grew up playing called CAD. It's basically you're trying to get 31 points and should be the closest one to it. And you don't know what the other players have. And so he's constantly kind of adding those cards in his head to see if he has enough. You'd knock if you have a high number close to 31. Whenever the round is over, he'll lay his card down and say, I have whatever. I have 15 or I have 22. And he's just doing it in his head really fast. Another game that we really love is called Sleeping Queens. It's inexpensive 
inexpensive and it's super fun. And it is great for kids to learn things like doubles and adding um, how the different numbers add up together. It's a great game. And that one is one that we play weekly, if not more in our house. Yeah, we just got that game for Christmas. and My daughters love it too. And great skills. You're right. Totally agree. Just make sure they don't bend any corners on a certain card. Oh, we got that. (laughs) That happened at our house too. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm on to my kids. Lindsay, what did you say the game? Because my parents taught us a game and they called it 31. Do you play it with three cards? Yeah, it's three cards. Yep. And we call it CAD. Okay. Like C-A-D. I don't know why. That's that's just what my grandma always called it. That's funny. Yeah. My parents just taught that to the kids the last time they were here and they really got into it. Yeah. Annie, what about you? What's real life math look like on the farm? Well, my kids like to earn money and spend money. I don't know about your (laughs) kids, but my Mm -hmm. kids do. Those are some really good math lessons. Well, I want to buy whatever. Well, do you bring your money? And in my house, mom does buy toys. Uncle Skip is very generous. Auntie Victoria is very generous at Christmases and birthdays. But generally, mom has never bought a toy. So if they want a something specific, either you talk to Uncle Skip or you got to spend your own money. So even from little on, they were saving for little toys. Now the toys are a little bigger and they cost a little more money, but they're saving and they're counting and well, how many more dollars do I need? Well, let's figure it out. And how can you calculate that? So uh, even though mom will not buy toys, mom will pay tax. So they don't have that sticker shock uh, when they have their money and they've saved the $87 and then the it rings up as 93. What? I don't have 93. So mom will pay tax, but that's about it. Tons of measuring or building things. I don't know. Uh, maybe your homeschool has not used a caliper yet, but when I have a machinist husband, he has a di- digital caliper. And so they measure the inside diameter of things and the outside diameter of things. I don't know if your homeschool has discussed tolerances, but when you have a machinist husband, he talks about thousandths of an inch tolerance lots of math just in conversation counting when they were little all of my kids learned to count when they were gathering eggs because they had to count how many eggs were in the basket it's just a part of our everyday Um, now we count bigger things but we all started with eggs can i just say that i went through calculus in high school and calculus too in college but I never learned how to do a budget in school and how much more necessary and valuable is like your everyday math of money and learning how to save and spend. It's lacking, you know, Mm -hmm. majorly in education. For sure. When I was teaching high school, personal finance was the cop-out class that people who weren't interested in going to college took. And those are probably actually the people who needed it the most because you need to know about student loan interest rates Mm -hmm. and all of those other things. was a slow math learner. I could do math, but I always needed more time on a skill. And I always felt like in public school that math moved too fast for me. And so when I was in seventh grade, I took pre-algebra. I did not do really well. And then I decided my favorite math teacher was teaching the class again in eighth grade. So it was was a different teacher, but I had had her for sixth grade, somebody I really trusted and felt comfortable with. And I thought I'm going to retake pre-algebra. And that was really weird. Other than that, I was 
like an honor student in all the advanced classes. And so to go into my counselor, I remember they were like, you can't repeat your math. And I'm like, no, I want to repeat my math. I need to repeat this math class. And I insisted and they were like, okay. But I remember them fighting me on it because that is sort of the public school way of thinking. You move forward. If you have a C or better or a D or better, even you move forward. But I had not mastered pre-algebra at that point. So I took it again and I got A's all the next year. And I felt so much more comfortable and confident. But in high school, I could not get away with the same thing. They would not let me repeat my math classes. And so I remember I finally, my math last math class was in 11th grade and it was incredibly difficult because I wasn't ready for it. I, I did really well in geometry, but not in the algebras. And so I was not ready for algebra two. I struggled the whole year and I was like, I'm done. And I look back and I'm like, I might've really enjoyed math more if I had just been allowed to ingest it in the time that I needed. And so that has really Mm -hmm. spoken to me when I entered homeschooling, I kind of made an unspoken commitment to myself because I thought, how am I going to teach math at these upper levels? And what if my girls struggle with math? And I thought, we are just going to figure it out and we're going to do what they need. And I made that commitment that whatever that looked like, however long it took, that we would do it at their pace. I think that's so wise. With my kids, the older two, it's taken us anywhere from 12 to 18 months to finish a math level of curriculum when we've used curriculum. And I'm totally okay with that because, you know, like we've talked about before, sometimes they'll have a big burst and we'll go through a bunch of it at once. And other times we're just kind of slow walking and really focusing on those skills because that's what's important is getting the skills down and I wish that there was less of a emphasis on, you know, getting it done in a certain amount of time. Like Annie, when you talked about like the math minute, she's like, I almost had like a twitch. Cause like, I remember getting those in school, like, right. And I was such a teacher's pet and perfectionist. So I was like, I'm going to get all these done and I'm going to get it done in 52 seconds and I'm going to get them all right. You know, but now I think part of my anxiety is from stuff like that growing up. I mean, what am I going to be? I'm 39 and tell everybody like, Hey guys, I did all my math minutes in under a minute. You know, it it didn't really get me anywhere. (laughs) I admire you for it. Oh, thank you. Thank you. (laughs) My approach with math um, is mastery. Like one of you said at the beginning of this episode, math builds on itself. You can't be good at higher level maths and not know your math facts. There's just a hierarchy to how things are learned and you keep building on it. So if you don't have that solid foundation, you are going to struggle and you may get all the way to 10th grade geometry and then stall out because you were weak in a foundation. You can either go back and shore up that foundation, or you can take a little extra time at the beginning and make sure you've got it. So my kids have to correct every single problem they have wrong. They do five lessons a week, and then I correct them Sunday afternoon, and I hand them back Monday morning. And so they have one page is their corrections, and then they have five more lessons because I want them to know, number one, what was wrong, and they need to figure out why it was wrong. So last week, uh, my middle, he was in a hurry, shall we just put it that way? And his math showed it. He had a a ton of corrections. And I knew that he pretty well knew the material, but I think he was reading his lessons rather quickly and then was making silly mistakes. And so I gave him an option. I said, you can either do all of these corrections and five math lessons, or you can redo these five lessons and take your time. And so he redid all five lessons and 
and took his time. And let me tell you, the difference was night and day. And I could never do that in the classroom. Like if I was in my public school classroom, I could pause for one kid and say, you need to go back even just a week, even just five days, five lessons for him to go back and redo that. That doesn't happen. That is the beauty and the gift that we have in the homeschool is that I can pause and move him back and we start again. You know, maybe it's not just five lessons. Maybe it's a whole textbook. Maybe it's two textbooks. But you have the ability to back up and shore up that foundation or add to it at any time. You can take the time to do it. Lindsay, I think you're actually the one who told me about extra math. Mm -hmm. We use very few computer related things, but this is one app that I'm sold on. And so I have it on my phone and on an old phone. It's math facts drills. She has grown so much. She was really resistant to memorizing those math facts. And she still fights me about using the app because there's a race, the teacher portion where you get three seconds to answer. But it is successful because you're drilling the same set over and over again. And as they become proficient, the ones they know drop off and new ones come in to the exercises. I have just seen amazing response because math facts, once they understand what addition is and what subtraction is, it's just the memory work. You just know five plus three is eight. You don't have to think about it so that you set aside the need to think about those things in order to focus on the greater concepts. And that's just been handy. I don't know what the rest of you have used for math x memorization but that's been a big help to us yeah we've used some of the extra math as well and my kids same they don't like the race of teacher we use teaching textbooks now and they're still portion on the younger levels that at the end they'll have a bonus round and again it's the same thing of doing it as many math facts as you can in the time period and they don't like that portion of it at all it's their least favorite part another thing that i used with my girls with for some math facts were the wrap-ups. I, I don't know if there's an official name for them. I just call them the wrap-ups. Do you know what I'm talking about? I like think the, that might be what they're called. Is that what math it is? Ra- math wraps or something like that. Something I don't know like that. Yeah. Where they got to wrap the string around the thing. It's, yeah. It's like a thing. <laughs> like, like kind of connecting the numbers with the string. And I'm yeah. realizing as I'm giving you all the visual, the people <laughs> listening are not seeing me. <laughs> yeah. We've liked extra math. My kids did like flashcards when they were younger, Annie. So we did do flashcards, but it's funny, like some of those things, you know, I used it for my older two and now my youngest, he's not really a flashcard kid. So I've kind of just passed all the flashcards along to other people, but he loves a scream. So he will do some extra math. And as much as I think that, you know, we shouldn't be pressuring the kids to get their math done in like, you know, a certain period of time, there definitely is value in just being able to recall those answers quickly. Um, One that comes to mind for me is I worked at a restaurant in college where we hand wrote the checks and I had to add it up in my head. I got so good at math in those two years. And I was always pretty proficient in math, but mental math, just that repetition and having to do it, you know, when you've got three tables that all need their check on a Friday night, like you're adding quick. Mm-hmm. So there was really some value to just already having that, you know, instilled within me. Yeah. And the good thing about that is that once it's over, it's over. Once they know their math facts, they don't ever have to learn them again. has been a very helpful episode talking about math and all the aspects of it of why we worry about it why we change it 
As we wrap up this episode, what is saving your homeschool? Annie. I knew you were going to ask me first. <laughs> I knew it. I'm going to go with an old school one. It's years now it's been saving my homeschool. My Audible subscription. Mm. And lots of discussion about audiobooks and using audiobooks on a couple of homeschool Facebook groups that Harmony and I are both part of. And there's some anti-Audible sentiment out there. But I love it. I love that I have a library of books. Um, I have the monthly subscription. I think it's $14.95 a month. It is the best money I spend on my kids. We have wonderful books they listen to over and over again. And I have a library wherever we go. I bought... Uh, an FM transmitter for my Kindle before we bought our new vehicle because none of our vehicles were Bluetooth enabled until we got the van. And so I would just set on the transmitter and transmit a book through the stereo system and everybody could hear it. We have just listened to many, many, many amazing books. What about you, Harmony? What is saving your homeschool? That's a really hard question to answer right now. I was sitting here thinking while Annie was talking, like, what is saving my homeschool right now? I actually ditched a few books and giving myself the freedom to do that. It's hard for me to ditch books because it goes against something in my grain. We don't give up on books, but not every book is right. The main thing I ditched was a devotional book that I wasn't enjoying reading. It was not adding anything to the liveliness of our morning time. And there were some theological things in it that I didn't like and don't agree with, some sort of Calvinist doctrine that just didn't jive with me. And I was just like, you know what? I bought this book, but that doesn't mean I have to use it. And so I pulled it off the cart and I put it back on the shelf and I'll, you know, donate it at some point. And that was such a relief and so freeing to turn to something else, to find something else we enjoy more and to just be free of that book no one was loving. So sometimes just reminding yourself of that freedom when something isn't working, that you can ditch it. It was good to make that decision. Mm -hmm. And Lindsay, I know you are in moving limbo right now. But what is saving your homeschool? I think kind of exploring our new town in general. But today we went to one of our two local bookstores, which I'm so excited about. We have a local independent bookstore called Duck River Books. And I took my kids in there for the first time today. It's super adorable. It has a little spiral staircase in it. And the children's section, you have to go through like a little gate and it has like flowers all over the gate. Just this little alcove in the store. It just smelled like books and it was so fun. So we went in there today and bought a couple new books and some uh, vinyl stickers for our water bottles and our computers. They have some pretty cute merch in there too that I've already got my eye on. And then there is also a used bookstore in town and I'm super excited about it because you can bring in your books for credit. It's like the once upon a child of used bookstores and I've never heard of this Mm. before. So I'm super pumped. We have a ton of books that we can bring in for book credit. All right, ladies. Well, you didn't say with your homeschool. Oh, yeah, you didn't say. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I want to say the break I just had is saving my homeschool. Can I say the break I just had? We did talk about on our first episode back this season how breaks are beneficial. So, yeah. Well, and you said then that that break was saving your homeschool. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think that was Christmas break. Christmas break. Right. And then I did four weeks of school. And now I just had another break. (laughs) You should talk about that break though, because it was a real break for you pretty much. It was. It was. Last week, we went four hours north to a ski resort 
And for three days, my husband took all four of our kids out on the slopes all day while I stayed home and read by the fire. That was very refreshing. I look forward to that week every year. You know me. I don't like the cold. I don't like the snow. But I will go up there and I will take one for the team for this ski trip and uh, stay nice and cozy warm by the fire. That was really refreshing. And today was a bit hectic getting back into everything but the break was worth it. All right, ladies, thanks again. You've been listening to the Relatable Homeschoolers podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. You can find links to all the books and resources we mention on the show at our website, therelatablehomeschoolers.com. We would love to hear your homeschooling questions. You can email us at therelatablehomeschoolers at gmail.com. You can also connect with us on Facebook and Instagram at The Relatable Homeschoolers. We'd love it if you leave a rating and review for us on iTunes. It only takes a minute and we'll ensure more homeschooling mamas get to hear our show. We'll be back with another episode soon. Until then, happy homeschooling schooling.